0: You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. The US Institute of Peace is delighted to welcome you to this special conversation with four outstanding American educators who have been part of USIP's Peace Teachers Program. USIP is very proud and fully committed to this program, which provides resources and support to outstanding teachers from across the country for their programs in conflict resolution and peace building. For the last five years, our peace teachers have taught peacebuilding skills to thousands of students across the country, from Oregon to South Dakota to Florida. For many students, peace training is an eye-opener. It helps all of us understand the American approach to peace building, why this approach matters, and the role that each American has to play in shaping and contributing to global peace and security. Our approach as Americans to building peace reflects our history. Our approach is grounded in justice, inclusion, and democracy. These values, as we all know, have to be renewed every day, and they are as important now as ever before. We have the honor today of hearing from each of our four outstanding teachers about the impact this very special program has had on their students, their schools, and their communities. During the conversation, we invite everyone to engage with us on Twitter using hashtag USIP peace Teachers. We're honored and delighted that Joanne Liedem-Ackerman is with us to introduce the teachers and to lead us in a moderated discussion. In addition to serving on USIP's International Advisory Council, Joanne is the Vice President Emeritus of Penn International. Joanne serves on the boards of leading non-governmental organizations and academic institutions and is a former educator herself. Joanne, thank you for joining us and over to you. Thank you, Lacey.
1: It's a pleasure to be here for the third, for the third time to moderate this. This one is a pandemic year in the life of a peace teacher. Stories of resilience from an American classroom. As a member of USIP's International Advisory Council, I've long been familiar with the good work USIP does overseas, but it's also been equally rewarding to be a part of USIP's public education work here in the U.S. through this annual event for the Peace Teachers Program. Today's topic feels critical for the moment in which we find ourselves. As we look ahead to a new school year in the time of a continued uncertainty, educators and others are pausing to consider what we've learned from the last year, to inform how we can best meet the students' needs and offer them hope for the future. In today's event, you will hear four brief pre-recorded presentations, from one from each peace teacher, in which they will share their experiences over the past years and more. How they integrated issues of international conflict and practical peace skills into their classrooms and the impact it had. I've had the opportunity to listen to these and found each one imaginative, and impressive, and their students and larger community engaged. After those videos, we will then move into a facilitated panel discussion with the teachers and with Megan Chabalowski, who manages the Peace Teachers Program as part of the public education team here at USIP. I will open the conversation up to questions from our audience about halfway through. You can participate in this event in one of two ways by posting a question or comment on the event webpage on USIP's website or on social media using the hashtag Teachers. I'd like now to introduce our five panelists. They'll give a wave when I introduce them. First, Emily Philippot teaches social studies and serves as Director of Global Studies at St. Andrew's Episcopal School in Jackson, Mississippi. Recently, she has been a teacher for Global Classrooms Fellow in Senegal, a Transatlantic Outreach Program Fellow in Germany, and a member of the AP World History Standard Setting Panel. This is her 19th year in the classroom. Jill Armstrong has been a member of the Social Studies Department at Grenup County High School in Grenup, Kentucky, for 12 years. She has worked with the Global Nomads Group, Natakalem and other nonprofit global education organizations to increase the global awareness amongst her students. In 2017, she attended a week-long educator exchange program in Jordan. Sarah Campbell teaches English Language Arts at Ketchikan High School in Southeast Alaska. Sarah has received several awards for outstanding teaching, including the National University System Stanford-Sanford Teachers Award, and in th- 2013 traveled to Japan as part of a five-college Center for Asian Studies Peace Education program. This school year was Sarah's 21st year in the classroom. Katrina Gotchel is a 14-year English language arts social studies and photojournalism instructor in O'Neill High School in north central Nebraska. She has served in leadership positions for the Nebraska Writing Project, Nebraska Institute for Holocaust Education, and has been a U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum Teacher Fellow and a 2014 cohort member of the Olga Lingel Institute. Megan Chabalowski is a program officer with the public education team here at USIP, where she heads the team's engagement of K through 12 school audiences across the U.S. and manages USIP's Peace Teacher Program and other professional development opportunities for educators, programs, and national initiatives for students and broader engagement of U.S. schools. We look forward to a rich conversation with our panel. Let's now begin with the Peace Teachers presentation. Emily's goes first.
2: Good afternoon
3: and thank you for being here. My name is Emily Philpat, and I'm concluding my two years as a Peace Teacher with USIP. I live with my husband, two children, and two dogs in Jackson, Mississippi, where I work at St. Andrew's Episcopal School. Like many in education, I wear several hats. I'm the Director of Global Studies, I teach AP World History and AP Psychology, and I serve as an instructional leader for our virtual programming. I also teach a course for One Schoolhouse, which offers online classes to students across the country. My time with USIP has positively impacted all of these areas, and I'm so thankful to have had this opportunity to learn and grow with other amazing teachers who I'm now happy to call my friends. My initial interest in the program was twofold. First, I was looking for a way to improve my teaching of world issues. I wanted my students to have an understanding of current events, but they also need the skills that will allow them to take action, to work with others, to empathize with someone from a different background, to problem solve, and most importantly, to build peace. I was also looking for a community of like-minded educators willing to collaborate and learn from one another. In both of these areas, I definitely hit the jackpot with this program, and it has exceeded my expectations. As I am sure others will share, one of the first ways in which this experience impacted my school community was through the International Day of Peace. That first year, with the help of my cohort and the USIP education team, I planned a special assembly for the upper school during our regular Travel Thursday lunch program. Megan joined us virtually from D.C. and gave a tour of the USIP building, my global studies students presented on current peace building initiatives involving youth around the world, and our school choir sang Paper Crane, which they had prepared for Voices for Peace. In the fall of 2020, instead of only one virtual guest, we were all joining virtually because of COVID. This time it was a larger assembly and we were so fortunate to have Rosa Amelia Gonzalez from Colombia as our guest speaker. She had just been named one of the USIP Women Building Peace Award finalists and her message was inspirational. I'm fortunate that other teachers at my school also recognize the importance of this day and plan projects such as the peace flags you can see in the picture. The USIP microcourses have been invaluable, especially once the pandemic hit. As a self-paced online resource, they are accessible to students anywhere. And each module comes with an abundance of helpful features. Most importantly, these courses take the abstract concept of peace and provide real tangible examples. I first used the courses with my global studies class. They enjoyed having choice. They chose topics such as nonviolent action, media and the arts for peace, and religion and peace building. And they created sketch notes in the journal throughout the experience. There are so many other USIP resources that I have used in some way these last two years and will continue to do so. For example, my students have used the current situation fact sheets that are available on the USIP website for a variety of assignments and activities. The On Peace podcast, the Olive Branch blog, and the USIP newsletter are also a great way for students and teachers to stay up to date on pressing world events. The experts who work at USIP are also always willing to share their knowledge. And the picture on the right is from an assembly on current issues in Iran with Mr. Garrett Nada. Also this year, my World History students entered the American Foreign Service Association's High School Essay Contest, which was sponsored by the USIP. As I look to next year, I hope to continue this work with my school and students. I have designed a virtual course on global conflicts and the work of peace builders, which will be open to any interested student. I'm also planning a Peace Day Summit for September that will bring students together from our international partner schools around the world. We will take a virtual tour of the Peace Trail in DC, engage with guest speakers on the topic of peacebuilding and foster collaboration among students as they create a Peace Day initiative in their own community. Finally, I have to say a huge thank you to my fellow peace teachers and our leader, Megan. There is no other group I would rather work with through a pandemic. And while I can say wonderful things about this program, my students can offer better insight into the ways that these resources and experiences have positively impacted them. Thank you.
4: Hello and good afternoon. My name is Jill Armstrong, and this is my Peace Teacher Experience. I am from West Portsmouth, Ohio, and I've just completed 14 years at Greenup County High School in Greenup, Kentucky. I'm a ninth grade world history teacher and a humanities global studies teacher. I'm also an AP human geography reader and a Rho Kappa advisor. This is one of my favorite quotes because I think it encompasses what a peace teacher does and what it can and what we can do through our schools, but also talks about the global community as a whole. Whether the borders that divide us are picket fences or national boundaries, we are all neighbors in a global community. President Jimmy Carter. So what is my why? Why did I want to be a peace teacher? Why do I want to incorporate everything of USIP and the peacebuilding skills within my classroom. And I've looked at it at two different ways, for myself to expand my worldview, to create new opportunities for myself personally and professionally, and to meet new amazing people that I continue to work with for many years to come. This also allowed me to become a better person and a better teacher. As far as my students, I wanted to provide them some opportunities to learn and to grow within themselves and their community, expand their worldview, and then prepare them for high school and beyond. So in my classroom, I use our peacebuilding skills and USIP resources in a variety of different ways. One of the ways that I utilize it is by looking at the USIP website and having students explore about peacebuilders, learning what peacebuilders do, who they are, and where they come from. I also use the peacebuilding toolkit for educators you can find on the USIP website. The curriculum and strategies within the toolkit allow us to talk about what it means to have peace, what it means to have conflict and how we can work together with our coworkers, our family, our friends, our teachers to have more dialogue and less violence. My students also explore the world by looking at conflicts most recent to many years back, examining ways that they have formed treaties, the they have ended conflict, and maybe some ideas that the students can come up with of things they can do better. Here are some examples from my students. Both of these come from the Peace Building Toolkit and USIP website. My students in the two years that I've been a peace teacher participated in Inspired Classroom Challenge. Two of the groups earned amazing certificates. In 2019, we participated in our first International Day of Peace. My RoCapa Kappa group decided to create hands to give to every student in our district, that's four elementary schools, two middle schools and one high school. Students decorated the hands stating with peace and other fun messages. We had bulletin boards all over our school decorated by different organizations and school groups. And we even used pinwheels for peace to decorate our garden in the front of our school. International Day of Peace 2020 looked a bit different we decided to do a video talking about International Day of Peace. We were able to get Kentucky's Lieutenant Governor, Jacqueline Coleman, to give an amazing introduction. And then we opened up the question, what does peace mean to you, to our local community, and to the world? As you can see here, a young lady from New Zealand, and one of our very own Greenup County Musketeers, Bela, who's in second grade gave their interpretation of peace and what it means to them. We also had individuals from Thailand, China, and Italy. Myself and my students were fortunate enough to be a part of some news stories in our local Ashland Daily Independent, and then an article in KentuckyTeacher.org. What's the outcome and impact? My students are becoming more aware of the world and their surroundings. And I hope it continues for them as I move along and continue using the peace building skills. It's repurposed an elective class. It's created for myself and my students to be constant learners. And again, it's helped expand my professional network and also my personal network. I'd like to take this moment to thank everyone at USIP for this opportunity to be a part of the Peace Teacher program. I have gained lifelong learning skills and enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you.
5: Hello from Ketchikan, Alaska. If you know anything about my small island community in the panhandle of our state, uh, you might know that we are the salmon capital of the world. I am an English teacher and I teach at Ketchikan High School. Again, you'll notice the King Salmon, that's our school mascot, and we are the home of the K-High Kings. Um, In this picture with me in front of my high school is USIP's Allison Sturma. She and her mom in 2019 visited Ketchikan, and so I was able to show them around my hometown and my school, it was a great day. I first became interested in peace education after taking a trip in 2013 to Japan. I traveled through Hiroshima, Nagasaki. I met with students, city officials to learn about how they were educating their students about peace. And I met with several survivors of the atomic bombs who talked about their experiences on that day. This is Masahiro, the brother to Sadako. You might know about her and the Thousand Paper Cranes. He spoke of his sister's life and of her death and remains committed to being a peace advocate. These stories while in Japan really touched me. And so I wanted to bring back their message for peace to my high school in Ketchikan. And the students, uh, we planted a peace pole in our school. You might be familiar with these. They originated in Japan after World War II and they feature the phrase may peace prevail on earth. Our poll is six sided and contains three of the indigenous languages spoken here in Southeast Alaska, Clinkit, Haida and Simsian. We also have a vibrant Filipino community in Ketchikan. So the phrase is in Tagalog. It's also in Japanese and English. The poll resides in the commons staircase area of our school and really does set a positive tone um, for peace. May peace prevail on earth and students and staff walk past this every single day. I teach literature at Ketchikan High School and I've always worked stories from around the world into my classroom from Sudan, Cambodia, Syria, India, and lots of other countries to expand my students' global view. But what I was lacking before joining this program was a strong um, set of skills to then bring peace education into the classroom. So I'm really grateful to USIP for their Peace Builder Toolkit, um, as well as the staff who has helped me do a better job of fostering peace within my classroom. Another great takeaway from USIP is your Peace Day Challenge. Um, And my students get super excited every year around the 21st of September to celebrate peace. And this year, I didn't know if we were going to be able to have an assembly, um, but the students came up with three goals. They said, we want to celebrate Peace Day and we want to do it together. We want to try to involve all the students. And we'd like to find a way to connect with kids from the other schools in our district, as well the community so the kids created a little activity for each day and encouraged everyone in town to post on social media using our hashtag kings for peace and USIP's hashtag peace day challenge we wore white uh, on wednesday and the kids made white ribbons for everyone we made stickers and so now those are all over laptops and water bottles um, and they created a community event The students decided to have people make peace flags, kind of similar to a Tibetan prayer flag. And many of the kids from the grade schools did this. And they started sending in their beautiful flags with their message for peace and their hope for our community. And they were just amazing. And here's one from a third grade classroom, Black Lives Matter to want to help the homeless, and so you can see what was on the minds of these young students in Ketchikan, Alaska, as we were heading back to school last fall. It was a great event. Um, we tie-dyed masks, and I think this senior said it best, where he said, I think peace, especially in this community, is when we come out and we just help each other. The students took it one step further, and they wrote a proclamation and presented it to both our borough mayor, and city mayor, this was a strong validation that these government officials supported and acknowledged the work of our high school peace builders in Ketchikan. And we also did a TikTok dance challenge. <laughs> So you can see there's nothing that I won't do to help celebrate peace. Um, Being part of this program has been tremendous and really given me the knowledge and the confidence to bring peace education into my curriculum at Ketchikan High School. I'm so grateful to the staff at USIP, all of your resources, and it's been an honor to work with my fellow cohort peace teachers um, for the past two year. Thank you so much.
6: Hi, my name is Katrina Gotchel. I'm a lifelong rural Nebraskan, a wife of a Nebraska rancher, the daughter of Nebraska ranchers, the granddaughter, great granddaughter and great great granddaughter of Nebraska ranchers. You get the picture. To quote a favorite childhood story, Sarah Plain and Tall, my name is written in the land of rural Nebraska. I've been teaching for 19 years. 17 of them have been in rural Nebraska. This comes with wonderful benefits but also challenges, especially when it comes to talking about conflict and peace internationally. My husband and I are raising two teen boys. Between our community and school activities, we like to travel and experience off the beaten paths where locals hang out and explore the peace and rugged beauty of national parks. I came to USIP through my work as a Holocaust educator, and I believe that studying global conflict and peace building is relevant and necessary work, even in Nebraska classrooms. As a Holocaust educator, I have spent years studying historical conflict, but never really peace building. I was drawn to USIP because I wanted to expand my own understanding of the peace building process in order to help students navigate through the complex conflict they experience and see happening around them. Sustainable problem solving is not a solo endeavor. So my goal was to help facilitate stronger, more productive conversations in my classroom in order to enable students to more confidently participate in conversations outside of my classroom. Literature would be the vehicle for these conversations, but literature also led to inquiry projects anchored to USIP's resources, such as the blog, YouTube channel, and Peace Teachers Toolkit. These helped guide us through critical conversations being grounded in facts, cultural literacy, and empathy. Together, we were able to better humanize texts we read in class and find intersections that made it more personal. USIP has helped me and my students grow in our perspectives because of these rich learning opportunities. Because I was a very rural teacher and with limited scope of courses, I was worried at first of how I would live up to the mission of USIP. You might say I had a bit of imposter syndrome But the more I worked with Megan and Louise and my fellow peace teachers, I realized that the core of this study for my classroom would revolve around conflict and the human story. I start every year with one of my favorite writers' TED Talks, The Danger of a Single Story. A DJ's talk was a perfect way to introduce USIP and this conversation about conflict and storytelling to students. If we want to develop peace, we have to listen to people's stories and try to understand multiple perspectives. As a DJ says, When we realize there's never just a single story about a place or a person, we regain a kind of paradise. To me, that speaks of the hope we can glean from the work personal stories and USIP's guidance invites us to do. So to that end, class activities focused on how conflicts evolve in literature. We sought to humanize characters by connecting their stories to ours and to their historical context, collaborated to examine real world issues that were embedded into those stories and engage in activities that help widen our perspectives. My hope is that students leave feeling like they have the tools to grapple with a very complex world community and that they feel empowered to join ongoing peace building conversations. In 2019, we shared the story of Sadako and the peace cranes and issued a peace day challenge to make peace cranes over 1900, which we collected and sent to the Children's Peace Monument in Hiroshima. In 2020, during the pandemic, we challenged students to create blocks for our peace art wall, which we constructed in a hallway at school. In photojournalism, we studied peace through art and students created portraits of peace portfolios and research peace builders around the world. In my English courses on Fridays, we had humanity hour where students would select materials from a curated collection of resources that focused on conflict, peace and the human story. We kept a class padlet for students to write their thoughts about their learning This quickly became something we all looked forward to, sharing with each other and with others. We also did an inquiry-based research project with the USIP website as a springboard to explore international conflict, and they wrote conflict resolution research papers. The goal in all of this was pretty simple. Explore conflict and peace and understand one really important word, nuance to grapple with that word reflectively when they read stories in class, but also when they encounter the daily conflicts we experience as human beings and the large scale conflicts that sometimes feel unsolvable. My students may not be able to neatly say, this is how you fix this because of the world work that they've done here, but I hope they'll feel empowered to sit at the table and work with other people, listening to their stories, which might not always be comfortable or easy to understand, but I hope they see themselves being part of a community effort to build peace. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everybody.
6: What what what
1: interesting stories were told there? Um, this has been a unique year, um, not only with the pandemic, but with um, political tensions in our country. And I think if we were sitting on a panel together at USIP, it would be easier to do a back and forth. But it is a little challenging with heads on a screen. So I'll address a question to each to one of you, but please chime in after the first person's answered if you'd like to add to it. Um, but maybe we'll start, Emily, let's just start with you. How, with, given the complexities of this year and the fact that you actually were peace teachers for two years because of that rather than just one, um, how did you find what you were doing at USIP um, influenced uh, your curriculum and your whole school community Um, dealing with a pandemic, which is a global issue. It's not quite a peace issue, but it's a global issue. And any of the political tensions that came in the year? How did did you intersect with those two big components this last year?
3: Great. Thanks, Joanne. One of the biggest challenges I think that I faced in the spring was the need to discuss important and challenging and emotionally charged issues while everyone was physically separated and joining class virtually. And so while I wasn't able to implement many of the original plans I had made as a peace teacher that first year, When I looked back and was reflecting on it, I actually feel that perhaps I was able to use more of USIP's resources because of the pandemic. Um, I was thinking back to spring of 2020 and how much I utilized the COVID and conflict series that USIP put together that connected COVID to really important global issues. And using those articles and videos prompted really deep and thoughtful dialogue in my virtual classes. And it was a way to discuss the important things that were going on In the world, I also think it, you know, being virtual and then hybrid as we started this past school year, there was a need to rethink assessment, right? And to move away from some of the traditional modes of assessment. And I was able to do that by using a lot of what we had access to through USIP, including um, the American Foreign Service essay contest this year that I mentioned in my video, and even some of the micro courses. But as I think about the, I think the best thing about my role as a peace teacher this year was the ability to perhaps offer hope in the midst of um, so much uncertainty and so much violent conflict and negativity and death from and sickness from the pandemic that students were exposed to the work of people who are are doing things to, to make the world a better place and to be a peace builder.
1: That's great. I I would love to hear anybody else's comments on that. I think um, as you say, there's a a lot of these materials that address not only conflict within the world, but the idea of, is there hope in the world? Can we go forward? Um,
5: Yeah. In, in Ketchikan, I, you know, we started um, kind of a a rolling start to our year uh, in the fall. And I think students just were celebrating this idea of, of being back together. You know, um, they felt very isolated at home, cut off from their friends, and so, you know, my role as a peace teacher, I really looked at making the curriculum and the topics of conversation very relevant and meaningful to students because um, many had been stressed uh, by being alone or, or the economic challenges of the pandemic, and you know, the kind of the unknown. And so it was, I think, comforting for them to be around other people, hear what their friends have been going through, um, and have really kind of a safe place to talk it out and dialogue together. Um, and and they wanted to celebrate too, uh, which was kind of maybe they felt a little reticent about that because so many people were in a challenging situation. But I give a lot of credit to my kids. Um, I think they're natural peace builders in the sense that, you know, they wanted to celebrate, they wanted to smile, they wanted to dance, they wanted to do things that were positive. Um, And I thought that was a real tribute. um, and, And kind of I think, really captured what we were trying to achieve here in Ketchikan. So my students really inspired me this year uh, and rekindled my, my desire to continue on with this work.
1: Well, salutations to your dancing. I, mean, I was very impressed. <laughs> you, 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 might, you might get a, a lot of hits on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, also, I, th- I think the idea of how this work connects to the community you're living in is interesting to explore because you're not, you know, as a school, you're the hub of communities, especially in smaller towns. And so as you're able to get the students inspired, I, I know you were reaching out into the community. Do, um, I guess, uh, Jill or Katrina, either of you wanted to speak to that, and, and of course Sarah and you and um, Emily as well, how, how the work in this classroom connected to the community.
6: Well, when we did our uh, peace crane challenge, we actually issued the challenge to several other schools um, in our area and encouraged them to also um, make peace cranes and contrib- contribute them with the idea of sort of um, spreading this message and intention- making a space to intentionally talk about peace. And I think one of the greatest challenges that I, I faced in being a peace teacher is that Um, sort of, I I first had to unlearn my own preconceived notions about the word peace and uh, sort of overcome some of the caricatures of peace um, that sort of float to people's minds maybe of, you know, hippies and and flashing a peace sign without really intentionally studying what it means. Um, So for me, that first step was really to, to dive into this mission and then to figure out you know, how does this apply to our community? Um, but in order to do that, I had to be willing to sort of unlearn some of the things I thought I knew and then try to help students unlearn some of those things um, and then try to spread that message out into the community as well.
1: Okay, thank you.
6: Queenie, Did you have anything you'd like to add
1: on that?
4: Um, I'm gonna kind of agree with everybody else. And one of the things that we did in the first uh, year of 2019 was with the hands and we wanted to get it out to all the schools. And I found out that in one of the elementary schools, um, they carried a little bit further and talked to the students about what this piece mean to the elementary kids. Um, and so that was nice that they that they took it on themselves to kind of further that. And I'm hoping to in next year and the years more to get it spread out more into the community. This year kind of, you know, uh, with the pandemic put that at a standstill, but I did like that. Um, I had some parents um, reach out to us to be a part of the video saying, hey, can we be a part of it? Absolutely, you know, we, we want more. Um, of the community in, in involved in things that the school does beyond just um, sports, because everybody likes to come to the sports and the graduations and the and the big events. But we have a lot that you know, just like with International Day of Peace, that the students want want the community to be a part of as well. And so, hopefully, as we move further and um, it becomes uh, more part of what our culture is at the school, that the community will take even bigger notice and and want to participate and have a bigger role.
1: Great, thank you. Did, did, for for any of you, was there any specific global conflict that um, your students focused on or your community was focused on that's outside of our borders that was going on during this two-year period or year and a half period?
6: I had students when they wrote their conflict resolution research papers. uh, We actually started at the USIP website and Um, because uh, we we don't have many classes available to students to actually study international conflict. And I thought it would help them make meaning out of maybe things that they saw in headlines but really didn't um, understand or were very abstract to them. And so we started the USIP website and they got to have some time um, to just explore the different categories of peace work that is going on. And then from there they were able to narrow down based on interest level. So um, I had a lot of students who wrote about some of the human rights work going on. Um, And uh, I had a lot of students who made connections with with, uh, groups of people who were being discriminated uh, against overseas and what's happening to them and making some parallels to things that they see happening uh, they felt in, in our country. Um, but uh, I had a wide breadth of topics and I thought that was really great because students talked to each other and, and they learned from each other and it stirred curiosity up for a lot of them and they took it upon themselves to, to do that work.
1: Great, thank you. Anybody else want to add to that one before I move on? Okay, well, one of, one of um, the ideas that several of you brought up I think is interesting is the use of literature and art in, peace, in peacekeeping and I'd love to, as a writer, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you did that and, and the books you chose in the conversation and um, did that move out beyond the classroom in, into your community or how, how do you see that impact on empathy and the word nuance? I think those were both two important words. Uh,
5: well, I learned about a book um, because of my fellow peace teachers, Emily suggested it. Uh, it's a Syrian novel. Um, Pretty recent, uh, so it was set in Syria in 2015, and follows the life of of a young boy and his family as they're trying to flee Syria and and find safety. And so I used that quite successfully with my sophomores at Ketchikan High School, and you know many of my students. Um, you know, we we travel outside of Alaska, obviously, but very few had ever um, been to that region of the world before. So it allowed for a lot of conversations, um, just opening up the the topic of you know, being a refugee, what is that? What are some of the challenges? Uh, what happens when your country, the political leaders of your country are at war and can't get along, but you as an individual are just wanting to go to school and, and be with your mom and dad and your friends and and be safe. Um, and then, you know, um, looking at at uh, within that of building a community as a refugee and and finding, you know, the strength in other humans Um, in the book it's called the land of permanent goodbyes and the writer kind of continues this thread throughout that there there are helpers and there are hunters and um, the narrator of the novel is destiny and keeps sharing with with you know, the reader, look for the helpers. There are helpers out there. And so that was a really fantastic um, experience for my students. Um, talk about getting them to tap into their own empathy and, and to ask some really tough questions. And, you know, how is it meaningful to a kid who's 15 in Ketchikan, Alaska, to know what's going on to a, a 15-year-old boy in Syria. Um, and so it really, I think, uh, made a huge impact on them my students, um, and it was tremendous, so I thank Emily for sharing that book with me. <laughs> That's right. I'd, I'd,
1: I'd love to hear a little more about how you worked as a cohort since you couldn't see, you couldn't actually meet each other in person, and and also the, any of the alumni of this program were you able to be in touch with, and how did, how did that work during this year? You know? uh,
4: I think, I I feel blessed to be working with these three ladies and us to take four, Megan included. um, It's kind of like this girl power thing. Um, But it was really neat because we could hear different perspectives. All three, all four of us come from different parts um, of the United States and um, our, our, our schools are run sometimes a little bit different. But this, our cohort, we could approach something. We say, here's our dilemma or here's where our idea is and just listen to the others say, well, why don't you try this? Or even just hearing the rest of them talk about what they want to do um, was just inspiring because you could he was like oh wow that's really neat i might want to try that you know with katrina and her photojournalism she did some really neat things over the last couple of years and i'm not a, a photographer and we don't have a photojournalist but it's like oh i want to do that just anyways uh, so it was really nice to have that even though we were all completely virtual all the time uh, just to have that um, that connection from month to month and even an email um, we kept up with each with what was going on in our communities for the pandemic and every and anything else by just sending even short emails, here's the update of how we are. And we would spend a few moments at the beginning of each month talking about what's going on in our communities, how everybody doing, as everybody doing. Um, and it kind of gave us, I don't know, to me, it gave us this bond. Um, and so I, I don't think I could have spent uh, two years with better individuals. I really, I really enjoyed it. And it's a hope that it can, we can continue this and kind of share out um, our different strategies and things that we do.
1: That's nice. Did you have a regular time you connected or you just connected when you had questions among each other? Um,
4: online, we would connect every was it Wednesdays. I think we got Wednesdays at 730 to accommodate for Sarah and then just emails. Uh, <laughs> but that's OK, because we got to see some fabulous um, backgrounds and scenery from Alaska and then just emails whenever necessary that we would send out. And, and with Megan, keeping us up to date and letting us know. Um, so, you know, it's the
1: nature of the world. I once chaired a board where the board members, literally one was in Australia, one in LA. So if the Australian board member would get up, at, stay up till 11 at night and the LA person would get up at seven in the morning, we could all be on the call because it's a, it's a global world. I mean, everybody. Yeah. Hear, so. I was
4: actually oh also able to work with um, Maria. She's in our 2017 piece teacher and we were in a different um, fellowship, and we gave a presentation on the Peace Teacher Program in USIP, so I was able to connect.
1: Oh, nice. So alumni. you have the alumni you can be, be yes. with as well. No, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful network. Mean, like, what advice would you give to um, either the in- incoming cohort or just any teachers listening right now if they wanted to start a program like this or build in these ideas of um, peacekeeping into their curriculums? How, how, do, how do they begin? Anybody want to launch into that one?
4: Sure,
3: right. Yeah, okay. No,
6: okay. okay.
3: Um, I would say to, first of all, just a wonderful, it is a wonderful group to work with. And I cannot say enough great things about the public education team at USIP. And so my advice would be to utilize not just the resources that are available on the website to everyone, but the team as well. And You know, I think I was thinking back to the the most impactful experiences my students said they had. And it was really the times that they connected with people doing the work, right? People in the field, people whose job it is to promote peace building, to educate people, but also kind of doing the work in the field. And the biggest takeaway that my students had was that that could be a career path, right? That they have all of these ideas of wanting to make positive change in the world and to do wonderful things. And I don't think that they had seen enough tangible examples of what that might look like in the future. And so, you know, yes they had we did lessons and activities from the peace building toolkit and that you know i think that the way they are will be most impacted by this experience um, the last two years if they were in my class or attended a program is knowing that they could choose to do that with their with their life right they could that there are jobs out there um, in this industry and, and doing this work so how, you know, my advice to peace teachers or just teachers anywhere is to expose your students to that, to let them know that there are ways that they can kind of channel their desire to um, end violent conflict in the world.
1: That's great. Thank you. Let me, let me ask another question and you can add on, add on to what was just said um, in the answer, but what do you see as the most transformative or are there Transformative moments in your year here as Peace Teachers, either for you or your or your students, that you really see it, you move from A to B to C in that time, or your community did.
6: I think for me was first my own unlearning. Um, you know, I think sometimes we we like to believe we don't sort of have our own hidden biases or that we have arrived somehow by going through some of these experiences and it was an area where I feel like I kind of had a blind spot. Um, And so I had to spend some time really reflecting on that as a teacher, if I was going to effectively uh, do this work in my classroom and hopefully continue doing this work organically, just in my life uh, as a leader, as a mom, um, as a teacher, as a community member, et cetera. So I had to do some of that work myself. Um, And I'm so grateful for this cohort and for, for Megan and Emily's for helping helped me uh, instill some confidence that there were all these threads that I could tug when I didn't really think that they were there. And I saw that that evolved, especially uh, in my classroom with our humanity hour work, um, because it went from something that we just did on Fridays to something students started talking about. And it wasn't just a hoop that we jumped through to complete things on Friday, it was a time of I think peace within our classroom, where we unplugged from one kind of work and plugged into a kind of a different kind of work, but it was it was work that students were really invested in um, and talked to each other about excitedly after a while. Not all, but but many of them, and then would turn around and say, "Hey, you should go look at this." Um, that's where I could see that that doing the work in our classroom culture, and and I always just really enjoyed that. Oh, that's great, that's wonderful. Anybody else yeah, wanna I'll, add to that? We're gonna...
5: I'll just add to that a little bit. Um, you know, we started this school year, you know, and you saw it in the the peace flags. Those were created by nine-year-olds and that was on their mind. We we didn't have um, protests here in Ketchikan, Alaska, um, but, but the kids obviously were watching that, young kids and my high school students. Um, and one i guess my i i just continue to be inspired by my students because in going through our exercises on peace or conflict and, and when we look at that it's you know when you have violent conflict something has broken down right? And it's because people aren't talking. They're not looking at the other person as human. They're not being respectful. And and things became so polarized this year. Um, Even the big contentious, you know, arguments within my wonderful community over how to reopen schools. And everybody had everybody's best interests at heart. Um, But what I thought was really powerful was my students, they kind of have this expression, you just do you. You know, you just be you. I don't know if Katrina, Emily, and Jill have heard your students say that. Um, but the kids that I work with are so darn accepting. And they are okay with somebody having a different opinion from their self. It does not mean that we have to draw battle lines um, or now you're my enemy. They just, they're like, yeah, that's, that's what they think. And so their kind of thing that I would see in their writing over and over and over again is, It's okay that the perspective of another person is different. That's okay. We can find a way to move on together uh, and and to reach an agreement. So that's, again, my big takeaway from this. And it's just exciting as a teacher to be able to see that. And I, I wanted to make that more visible to everybody in the community because you can hear something a 15 or 16 year old says, or something beautiful that you know a nine-year-old creates on a prayer flag. I think that's giving us hope that we're in good hands, we're in good shape, and we can tackle um what we have to come. So
1: we'd like to send a few of those to Washington if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> it is a moving that it's, I can send you know, it.
6: Yes, and
1: you guys can string them along. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay to have a different idea. We don't have to be fighting an enemies or anything,
2: okay. Joanne, if I might jump in with a um, follow time to move to follow it all up. up. Yes. So uh, first of all, gosh, thank you to our teachers who are here. Um, I've had the great ple- um, pleasure of working with you and privilege and it's just really great to sit back and listen to you and you have this wonderful platform. So thank you. Um, what I'm hoping when we think about what um, advice we might have for teachers who are watching um, and what they can take away Um, What I'm hoping you're hearing from this is that uh, there's so many different ways you can teach about conflict and peace and that it doesn't have to be a separate class. I think often when we're uh, first thinking about what teaching about global conflict and peace looks like, there's a sense that it's a separate peace class. Um, And really what you're seeing here is that it can be taught in almost anything you teach. And often it's about how you do it or the lens through which you teach your content. Um, so I I am always so excited to hear all these ideas um, because I think that's a really important takeaway for, for any educators who are watching, that this is something you can pretty easily in just very simple ways, work into slowly things that you're already teaching. You don't need to plan something big and new. Our teachers did some really incredible things. Some of them are really big. Um, you don't have to do that right away. It can be something really simple, um, but there are lots of great steps and ways you can get started. And um, I mean, we've heard some great examples today, but that's one big thing I would I would share as sort of advice for somebody who's thinking of getting into this.
1: Thank you, Megan, that's wonderful. I think we're about time to open up to questions that are coming in. So I'm gonna read a few of these. The first one is a quick question. Can you repeat the name of the book on Syria that
5: you mentioned? Sure, it's Land of Permanent Goodbyes by Atia Aboui, I believe. Okay, good. Um, did any of you experience
1: any resistance from parents and/or the greater community regarding participating in this program or from skeptical colleagues also how did your principals or school leadership support your work?
4: Um, I believe some of my administration is on here right now and I appreciate them them popping in but um, I've had good support um, they allow me to um, to do what I what I would like to do and what I need to do um, I just kind of say, um, do you mind if I, if I do this? So I appreciate them and I hope they know. Uh, I appreciate uh, their support, um, the community, and the students they just jumped right on it, especially International Peace Day. It's the first one we've really um, ventured into and I can't wait to see what we're gonna do coming up this year. Um, hopefully that we have more in-person, but they get excited, um, they like it. Uh, it's just something different. And I think it's something that um, we have to get used to with Sarah, that she's been doing it for a few years before she became a peace teacher. So it's kind of ingrained into her, into the culture of her school. And so I hope that one day we will have that before I retire, um, that we'll have that within Greenup County High School and the Greenup County School District. But I I have to give props to my principals and my superintendent um, and even my colleagues. They're just like, sure, Um, they help out and we've got a good support team.
1: Great. Anybody else want to answer that question? Of, of the backup of parents? No problems. One interesting question is each of you before you started this program um, had been out in the world one one place or another and maybe just spend a moment talking about what took you to Senegal or to Japan or to um, the various places you had touched base to get out of your communities and see the global world. Um, and start with, let's just go Emily, Jill, Um, I have my list, Emily, Jill, Sarah, and Katrina. That's where we went just quickly. Then as we get more questions, we'll go to those.
3: Great. You know, my the reason I traveled to those places was really kind of in search of professional development. And as part of that, a couple of times it resulted in some international travel. Um, But, you know, I started, I can think back to my first time out of the country in high school and what a transformative experience it was to come into contact with people and perspectives that were different than my own. And I think my best teaching Stems from experience, real experiences that I have had in in the places that I teach about. And so, um, you know, I I can draw some some parallels actually to this experience, in that anytime I feel like I engage in continued learning with a group of educators, whether in this case it was primarily virtually or being able to travel to another destination, it has enriched my teaching in so many ways. so, I'm so thankful for those experiences. And I also think it speaks to the importance of giving those experiences to students. And I think the, the, pandemic taught us that if you can't physically be with other people utilize technology to foster those connections and so i I hope a takeaway from this is that we will continue to um kind of bring speakers to our students or have them engage with other people even if it's um through a a virtual platform great
4: um i've got i've always been a um have a fascination with culture and other cultures. And I got involved with going um, with seeing with visiting and learning about um, different individuals through a group called Global Nomads Group. Back in, I think, five, six, seven years ago, I forget. I've been with them a long time. And that led into my trip to Jordan for a week, which was fascinating to immerse myself into that culture as best that we could. And I'm kind of like with Emily. many of our students aren't gonna have the opportunities to travel, um, especially outside of the country. And the more opportunities and experiences that we can bring with them into the classroom, now virtually, since that's becoming more prevalent, then that just opens their eyes to the world. Um, and being a peace teacher adds another aspect to that. The resources that USIP has, the peace um, peace building toolkit, all of that just adds to those experiences and those opportunities for students to see that, you know, you may have aspirations to go outside of your community, but maybe they don't don't know how or don't think it's possible or there's anything out there for them and this gives them that look see how you know the individuals that work at usip have those different careers see how you can just go 50 miles outside of the area you know lexington kentucky for us is about an hour and a half two hours away you can go into lexington just that small distance away from home and be immersed into different cultures and diversities so me being able to anything that I can do that professional development, I love professional development, anything I can do that can not only strengthen myself personally, but I can take back into the classroom just helps our students. It gives them that, um, it just opens the world to them really. It's breaking down. I've said if we're breaking down those four walls of that classroom and those barriers to saying, look, see what see what's out there, explore as much or as little as you want to. Um, but take that chance and see what's and see what's there. Great.
5: Yeah, I traveled to Japan in 2013 and learned about peace education through Hiroshima, visiting Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And as I mentioned and many of you reference, uh, Sadako um, and the paper cranes. I met with her brother um, for about two hours and he, he obviously had a tremendous impact uh, on his life when the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. He was four at the time. And he's dedicated his life uh, toward promoting peace. And there wasn't any hatred or a desire for vengeance. And hearing those stories firsthand, um, you know, gave me definitely what I needed to bring them back to my high school and share those with my students. And so again, it's it's the power of the individual story and how individuals are impacted by violent conflict. And it, it's not a blame game, right? But it's, it's looking at how can we prevent this from happening again? And Masahiro, you know, talked about impasse. And, and if two people are at impasse, what do you do? Well, one person needs to kind of step aside to open up the path. Right, so that we have compassion and and forgiveness and and love for our fellow human beings to see where they're coming from with this, and so the work of peace educators, you know, Megan's exactly correct. Whatever you do within your classroom, you can find a way to um, have conversations about conflict resolution so that it's not violent, so that it is peaceful, so that we can mediate, so that we can talk, so we can open up perspectives with each other. Um, and, and so that's my my mission and, and my desire as a teacher um, to have those conversations with my students um, so that they can go out in the world and, and make their mark and, and just be them and do their thing. <laughs> that's great, thank you. I think
6: for me um, I never traveled much uh, growing up and I started traveling overseas with students um, in 2011 and part of the reason I wanted to do that uh, was because I had learned the value of going and meeting people on the street and um, being there as uh, not a tourist necessarily but as an observer and I have a degree in anthropology so I like observing, <laughs> um, but I also really believed that it's a way to unlearn. As I said earlier, um, part, of, part of what I try to do is challenge myself to unlearn or challenge my own preconceived notions about things. And there's something very powerful in travel and meeting other people that allows uh, a person to do that. Um, But I also read the book, uh, The Anatomy of Peace, that was published by the Arbinger Institute. And I read that with some of my students in a current events class a few years ago in my Holocaust classes. And it's the story of uh, two men um, running a youth rehabilitation uh, program. And one is um, Israeli and one is Palestinian. And their fathers were killed by each other, by by wars between them. Um, And they run this program together. And it's also not just for the youth, it's, it's for their parents. Um, But it's a fantastic book and it really pushed me to reflect um, deeply on why I'm passionate about studying things like the Holocaust um, but also what our students can learn when they travel away place, place and story um, can teach us so much. And so I think encouraging students to take that risk and Humble themselves a little bit when you go into a place and just be an observer um, is very powerful. Good. Well, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to getting
1: close to the end. One of the questions that has come in, I think you've answered, is have you studied abroad? Um, have you used study abroad programs in your schools? And have you used virtual reality tools? I think you've just explained why study abroad is important. Whether you actually use it in your schools, I don't know. And do you use virtual reality tools? Anybody? Do we you have, have done. Have a broad study
6: program in schools. Um, we we use virtual reality with uh, taking virtual tours at the U.S. Holocaust Museum, but also um, I used it with uh, touring some um,
3: camps uh, when I taught Holocaust education. Okay. Anybody else? Have, um, we have some. We have international partner schools, so our students have the opportunity. When it's not a pandemic to travel to locations around the world and then we host um, school groups as well um, and we we have some um, virtual reality technology as well that's used at school
2: if i may jump jump into joanne um, it's uh maybe not virtual reality in the sense that you need glasses to watch but but um it's part of our our shift Uh, during the pandemic, the Institute um, uh, and our team made our on-site experiences virtual. And one of those is a tour of the Peace Trail in the National Mall. Um, And I know that that's something that our our teachers have taken advantage of as well. So for anybody watching who's interested, it's something that you can offer to your class as well. And it walks along um, uh, important sites along the National Mall and tells the stories about those sites through the lens of peace. Um, And it is a a walk that was developed in partnership with the DC Guild of Professional Tour Guides and the National Park Services uh, along with USIP. So that is a a modified virtual reality option out there for those who can't get to DC anytime soon.
5: I was just gonna add to our community has two local Rotary groups who sponsor students, both inbound and outbound. And so even if students can't travel abroad, they get the benefit of meeting the students who are Rotary groups, Rotary International, bring it into Ketchikan, Alaska. And so we've had students obviously from Europe and Asia and um, it's just been a tremendous impact for them to make a connection with another person their age and they keep those connections. Um, and it's, it's exciting to see those friendships built and they may have differences, but then you hear them saying, Oh, that's just like me. Oh, that we, we do that too in my family. And, and so again, fostering that connection, it's all about connection with other human beings. Um, and so I'm really proud that our Rotarians make that effort. So I hope travel will resume here soon for next year. Do they, do they come for a whole school year or just for they, a program? They do, and they live with host families, um, and they kind of travel around and move families for every three months. And then our community in Ketchikan, we have a sister city in Japan, and so usually our eighth graders do a homestay where they go for two weeks to Japan, and Japan comes here for two weeks. And I was fortunate enough to participate in that as an adult, not as a kid, and it's it's a tremendous program, and we swap teachers also, and so I think that's my connection and, and Love for Japan was started as an early age because of our sister city relationship that we have.
4: Yeah, no,
1: no, nobody should underestimate what they call soft power. I think our our world is going to get better with a lot of soft soft power. Secondary, okay. Um, the last question that I have that's come in is for Megan. Which, um, oh wait, maybe one others came in. One other came in, and then there's one for Megan, which we'll end with because Megan's going to wrap us up. Um, Okay, this is from Arkansas. I am new to a new 2021, 2022 USIP teacher. I would like to ask what specific advice those experienced peace teachers have as I begin this journey. That's a good wrapping up.
4: Well, I will say first of all, um, we, I personally probably those, we're very jealous that you are starting your journey because we know, and I have to say this, because we know what you're going to experience as we're wrapping ours up. And um, we're jealous, I am, because we, you get to experience all this. Um, it's going to start out a little overwhelming there's a lot of things going to be thrown at you but just take it slow ease into it um, and go at your own pace embrace everything embrace USIP the public as uh, Emily said the public education and all of you they are amazing with teachers um, they have their mission they know that we're, we're trying to help them get that mission out as well as what we want to do within our classrooms and they are almost falling over saying, what can we do to help you? What are our, re- what are your resources? Here are resources, what do you need? So embrace that, have fun with it. Um, be, just enjoy being in that cohort. Um, and again, we're just really jealous, but just enjoy the moment, enjoy the time because um, it's it, it, the best opportunity, it's great.
1: Okay. Actually, one other question has come in before I go to the last question, which I'll give to Megan. Um, Do any of your schools have active peer mediation programs Another practical way of experiencing peace through problem solving and helping direct it? And overall, did your understanding of peace change over the course of the program? Those are going to be our last two questions and then a question for Megan that's come in and then we'll wrap it up.
3: I can address briefly the second part of that question, which is absolutely my understanding of peace uh, grew a million percent in the fact that I didn't actually know a lot about the work of USIP before starting this program. And so it has really opened my eyes um, along, hopefully with my students eyes to the work that is being done around the world. And um, hopefully, uh, as Megan mentioned, we will get to uh, Washington, D.C., to the headquarters at some point. Um, but it, this, you know, I, I feel like I grew in my knowledge of world events and world issues throughout this process, not in just influencing my pedagogy in the classroom, but my, my knowledge as a teacher. Great. Great.
1: Okay. All right, Megan, are you ready? This is the last questions for you. Now I've got to find it it's, it's sort of scroll down here. Um, oh, wait, I think I lost it. Uh, I'm sorry, a lot have come in at the end and we're now at the sort of the end of the program um, here. What is the plan, um, this is for Megan. What's the plan for the Peace Teachers Program? What's the big impact across the last several years? And would you consider including elementary educators? It could be a very beneficial for those student teachers, students and teachers. And then Megan, you get to
2: wrap us up. Great, thanks. Lots of, gosh, I can talk for a while about this. Lots of questions. All right, so the plan for the Peace Teachers Program, well, I will share with you in a few minutes um, as I wrap up our cohort for next year. And I wanted to say hi to Jessica who sent that earlier question in. Um, That's you from Arkansas. It's nice to see you. Um, So the plan for the Peace Teachers Program is that we will continue to expand to new states. So each year, this program um, selects new states to expand to uh, with the ultimate goal of having uh, alumni in all 50 states across the country. So it is an intimate program and that's to help maintain this sense of community and for our teachers each year among the cohort. Um, But the alumni go on to be really involved and, and stay really engaged. I know Joanne, you had asked a question about alumni earlier um, and so our current peace teachers have done this as well, but alumni continue to present and at uh, local and national um, uh, educator conferences, they speak at public events, they speak in their local media. Um, so they're doing a lot to get the word out about this kind of education and this content and why it's important for, um, for teachers and, and uh, students, teachers to be teaching it and students to be learning it. And so this program um, ultimately creates these ambassadors and models for, for this content. And so the impact of this program has been really um, both its reach to, uh, gosh, over 5,000 students, but also um, its broader reach within the education community to spread the word about um, learning about the, the importance of learning about you know, critical issues in international conflict and peace and bringing pr- practical peace-building skills into your classroom and, and the impact that that can have. So. Um, We look forward to continuing to grow it each year. And you asked me the final question and I forgot the final part of the question. Um, Let's
1: see, what's the big impact across the last several years and would you consider including elementary
2: educators? It could be very- Oh, of course. Of course, how did I forget that? Um, The elementary educators is a great question. Um, We certainly work with elementary educators. We've taken some of our- um, lessons and adapted them for upper elementary. And you can find that on the public education section of USIP's website, which by the way, is where you can find a lot of the resources you've heard discussed today. Um, For the cohorts, what we've discovered is that uh, uh, especially for younger students, teaching about conflict and peace looks pretty different. Um, So the model of this program works most effectively with middle and high school teachers. Um, It's not to say that uh, you can't and shouldn't teach this content to elementary. You absolutely should, and there are lots of great ways to do it. There are also really wonderful organizations out there doing that exact work. Um, We don't have plans to extend this program in particular to elementary, but that said, I work with lots of elementary teachers, and I'd love to, um, whoever sent that question, and I hope you will connect after this because I'd love to direct you to some resources and think about how we can help bring this to your school as well. Thank you. And I think we're over to you to wrap us up, Megan. Well, great. Um, Well, gosh, thank you all so much. Um, I'm so sorry to have to close this conversation. Um, I really want to thank our our peace teachers, Jill, Emily, Katrina, and Sarah, um, and our moderator, Joanne, for an invigorating and informative conversation. Um, I'd also like to thank USIP president and CEO, Lise Grande, for her welcoming remarks and to everyone who's joining us here today online. Um, As our Peace Teachers here transition to alumni, um, we are, I am very pleased to announce next year's Peace Teachers cohort. Um, We are looking forward to working with the following six educators over the coming school year. Uh, Jessica Culver of Ozark High School in Ozark, Arkansas. Hi, Jessica. Uh, Aide Rodriguez of Central Union High School in El Centro, California. Aaron Sullivan of Cab Calloway School of the Arts in Wilmington, Delaware. David Pearl of Yarmouth High School in Yarmouth, Maine. Matthew Morrison of International Academy in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And Kim Warren of Utah International Charter School in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, So you can learn more about this cohort on our website and you can stay tuned on their progress. Throughout, through our monthly public education newsletter, which you can sign up for uh, through USIP's website, along with any of USIP's other newsletters, um, and through our social media. So I know a few of next year's cohort were tuning in, so I'm, I'm thrilled to welcome you to the group next year. Um, as you know, uh, the public education um, at USIP is an important part of, of USIP's mission. In fact, um, we're grounded in the Institute's founding mandate from Congress, and we complement the Institute's work to build peace internationally. So we serve the American people directly, providing resources and ways to engage, and overall helping to expand the American public's understanding of the U.S. role in peace building around the world. So this work includes work with K 12 school audiences, such as what we've discussed today but it also includes work with universities, national networks and local organizations across all 50 states. So if you're watching and you're not connected to a school, don't worry, there are lots of ways to engage with us. And if you'd like to connect an organization or network or a group that you work with, with us, we'd love to, um, to be connected with you. So please do reach out to us. You can find contact information on the public education section of USIP's website. So before we adjourn, I just wanna give a special word of thanks to our team here at USIP, both our immediate team in public education, um, our director, Anne Louise Colgan, whose name you heard come up a few times, um, and also our broader external relations colleagues and our colleagues on the AV team and all of those across the Institute who helped make this event possible. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today and I hope you have a wonderful day. Happy summer.